Hey, babe. Welcome back to the Self-Care Keto Podcast. I am your host, Jess, and I'm your self-care keto coach. I'm so glad that you are a listener of this podcast. So grateful to have you tuning in, and I hope that I'm a huge encouragement to you. That's my goal, and that I am giving you some life and pointing you in the right direction and helping you shift mindsets and yeah, I'm just so grateful to be a part of your life and be in your ear right now. So thank you. Thank you for taking the time and making the time to listen to this episode. This is something that I've been wanting to bring to you for a really long time. Honestly, it's been on my to-do list. I'm like, I have to record this podcast episode. Um, This is something that I have been talking about with my clients for a long time, and it's super helpful. And it's about how to actually create food boundaries for yourself. And um, you do not have to be eating keto to do this. Um, I know that I have some listeners that are like not eating keto and then you stop listening because you're not eating keto. Like, please take take away the mindset stuff from um, from this and take what you can and leave the rest, right? Um, I'm never a person that tries to dictate anything to anybody about this is how you should eat or you have to eat. In fact, I'm the polar opposite of that. And you're going to hear more about that in this episode. I want you to decide you are you are your source of wisdom. You are the expert on you. Nobody else is. And as long as we are following a bunch of shoulds from other people, of course, we're going to rebel against that crap. Rightfully so, right? We all need to feel that sense of autonomy. Like I'm the one making these decisions for myself based on what I know is best for me and based on what I actually want and what I know to be true for me. Um, And to trust that inner guidance and have that inner wisdom and have that um, autonomy and self-sufficiency in your life. Like that's all any of us really want, right? Um, now, with that being said, sometimes we do need some outside guidance, right? We're like, please, I'm a, I'm a structure person. Like, just tell me what to do, right? And so, of course, if you need something like that, you know, I've got so many episodes on how to prioritize protein and how to enjoy sweets as self-care and so many great strategies for you. But today, I really want to help you to become um, your own source of inner wisdom and to set up Um, your own food boundaries based on what you know that works best for you, right? Your body, um, your mindset, all of those things. So it's going to be a really fun visual for you guys today if you're a visual person or like you're a metaphor person. So stay tuned in because there's going to be homework at the end where you can actually take something and like go like draw this out, like draw out this little visual for yourself and it's going to be so helpful. Okay. So again, I'm so excited to help you guys to figure out how to set food boundaries in your life and you know, please share this episode with anybody because again, it applies to so much more than you don't have to be eating keto to do this. This is about um, using food as a form of self-care. So enjoy the episode. Hey loves, I am coming to you from my car today because I have a sick kiddo in the house and man, she's on like day four of a virus or something. She's got a crazy fever. Thankfully, it's going down with ibuprofen, and really, she doesn't have any other symptoms other than a stuffy nose. She's not COVID uh, positive, thank the Lord, so hopefully she'll be feeling better soon. So if you notice any background sound here from my car, it's better than listening to Peppa Pig. (laughs) So um, I really have been excited to talk with you guys about this topic on setting food boundaries. This is something that I talk with my clients about all the time, and I want to really bring something helpful for you guys today. And we're going to use an analogy on how to set up your food boundaries in a more expansive, helpful way than the typical all or nothing mentality. Black and white, I'm either 
straight and narrow or I'm completely off the rails. So if you identify with that, this episode is definitely for you. This video is for you. All right. So let's start by talking about boundaries versus restrictions. So I've touched on this a little bit so far. If you've um, listened to you know past episodes of my podcast or watched any of my Instagram reels, I like to talk about the difference between food restrictions and food boundaries because our language is really, really powerful. Our language is what creates our reality. And oftentimes it's literally just something as simple as making a shift in our language um, something as simple as I can't have that versus I don't want that um, can be really, really powerful in the message that we are sending to ourselves. So food restrictions are an outside set of rules, um, an outside authority telling you what you need to do. Um, Maybe it is um, a specific diet plan um, which you can approach keto from that type of mindset. I don't like to do that, um, but it, that's an example. It could be that um, your doctor has told you like you're not allowed to eat these things because of whatever kind of health condition that you have. Um, so it is some type of external authority telling you what to do and you are obeying, uh, you are complying, usually out of um, fear, out of um some type of punishment mentality, and it feels like you are having your free will be taken away, right? Um, Food restrictions sound like I have to, I should, I shouldn't, I can't. Um, So that's how you know that it's really more of a restriction mentality than actually having a healthy boundaries mentality. So food boundaries, on the other hand, are actually set up by you. This is completely your choice. And this is the case with all boundaries, not just food boundaries, but boundaries are um, decisions that you make of things that you're going to do or not do, participate in or not participate in, what you're available for, what you're not available for, with the goal of self-care. This is to make your life better. This is to increase the level of safety and pleasure in your life right? And so a lot of foods that maybe you've been consuming up to this point, um, they might feel pleasurable to you, especially in a short-term way, but they're not safe for you. They take away your sense of safety. They take away your sense of of self-trust. They light your brain on fire and they make it really, really hard to moderate. Um, And in a long-term pleasure perspective, it's not pleasurable at all because after about 15 minutes, um, you know, your stomach feels bloated, you feel distended, you feel shameful, um, guilt, everything um, out of alignment with your values in terms of like mental health. And it's not actually pleasurable, right? And so having food boundaries, again, it's an act of self-care. It is um, a decision that feels in line with your own inner wisdom and with your own truth. It's not complying with anything from the outside. It's taking full ownership of this is what I truly want, like the highest, best me when I'm in touch with that instead of just reacting to what's happening around me. Um, This is what I truly, truly want for myself. And it helps to create more of what you do want in your life and less of what you don't want in your life when you set up a food boundary. Okay, so now um, before we talk into how to to set up food boundaries for yourself um, and share that analogy with you guys, I wanna touch on um, boundaries themselves and how it's very normal and natural for boundaries to shift over time. And in fact, it's actually very healthy and necessary for that to happen. Um, So 
my background is in psychology. Um, I did my undergrad in psychology. I did my master's degree in non-clinical counseling and life coaching. So all of the psychological terms, all of the personality tests, I just love all of that stuff. And so a lot of times I, you know, will use like psychological language, but I like to share with you guys what these things mean, because, you know, it's the worst when somebody just drops like a word or a phrase and you're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> right. And so, um, but I like to share this information with you guys, because I feel like it really helps to give language to it and helps you understand, um, something that you've experienced and you'd be like, yes, that is, that is it. That is me. All right. So there's three different, um, styles of boundaries. Okay. So style number one is having porous boundaries, um, porous P O R O U S. So like meaning like there's a lot of holes in it. A lot of things can get through, seep through it's porous, right? Um, so a porous boundary is when you set up a boundary, like you've tried to communicate, like, I'm not going to do this, or um, I'm not available for this, or, you know, this here, this boundary here is to keep me safe. Um, but as soon as uh, it gets tough to uphold that boundary, um, you just let it slide. So I'm going to use a non-food example, okay? Um, and maybe we'll use a food example as we go along here. But here's a non-food example of a boundary um, that you might set up in your life I've definitely set this up in my life in the past. Um, so the boundary is I don't loan money to family or friends. I actually just don't loan money, right? Um, and the reason why I set this up is because I used to loan money, right? And it did not go well, right? It caused tension in the relationship, um, disappointment, anger, resentment, um, lack of trust, um, personal loss of financial means for me, right? So there's a lot of reasons why I set up that boundary, okay? And it's because it's the live, uh, you know, you live, you learn type of thing, right? And so I set up that boundary. I don't loan money to family or anyone, okay? So for me to have a porous boundary about that would be for me to say to the family member, hey, I, I've made a decision. I no longer loan money to family. I need to let you know that um, because I know I've loaned you money in the past, but now that's not going to happen again. I don't loan money anymore. Um, so that I've set up my boundary. But then as soon as this family member brings me a new situation, um, that's, well, we've never dealt with this situation before, or um, it's it seems really, really urgent. Um, you know, I've even had like family members tell me that there were like death threats against their life over like gambling debts, like cra crazy things I've had people say to me, right? So as soon as, um, or like a dental bill and, you know, they're in so much pain and they really need help. Like as soon as the situation makes me feel bad enough or guilty enough, or if I say no and the person gives me pushback, right? Oh, God forbid. They give me pushback. Like, why? Why is that such a big deal? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I'll just do it, you know, yada, yada. But it's, you know, you don't understand. It's really, really necessary this time. Um, you know, all of the things, as soon as the person gives me pushback that I would change the boundary, that would be an example of having a porous boundary. Okay. So porous boundaries is one style. The next style is rigid boundaries. So this is like the polar opposite of porous boundaries. Right. And, um, you know, just to be clear, we don't want to have porous boundaries, right? Rigid boundaries. Um, I think it's normal and natural that, that we do this because once we've reached a point of like a breaking point, we're like, okay, seriously, like, I can't do this anymore. I need to create some real safety in my life here. We kind of take it to the opposite extreme. So rigid, like nothing is getting through. Like this is like immovable. We don't even talk about it, right? So an example of having a rigid boundary around the money thing would be for me to actually tell maybe this family member like, hey, this is my policy. 
zero tolerance. In fact, I don't even want to talk about anything money related with you. If you are struggling with money, I'm, I cannot be the person to listen to this. Like, sorry, um, but it's too difficult for me. Um, I'm just not, I'm not going to, not going to do it. You're going to have to talk to somebody else about it. I can't even listen to this um, because it's just, it's too hard for me. Like, or you don't even have to tell the person that, but you know that like you don't trust yourself enough to maintain that boundary unless you're like so extremely rigid or it just triggers you or it makes you feel bad or whatever. So you'd be like, no, I'm not even, and sometimes I'm not even going to talk to that person at all because all that they ever talk about is their money problems and all that they ever do is try to make me feel bad or whatever. So this would be an example of like a really rigid boundary. And this is okay, especially in the beginning because you need to create that level of safety for yourself. Um, you need to create the external safety so that you can build up the internal safety. So you're removing the possibility of you breaking your promise to yourself right? Um, or you're eliminating the temptation in any way possible um, as you build up that self-trust inside so that you know that you could eventually then enter back into a situation that used to tempt you and you'll respond completely differently because you've changed. But that takes time. And so it's totally okay to set rigid boundaries because remember, the goal of the boundary is to increase safety in your life and therefore pleasure. It amplifies your life. Um, you know, and in fact, I would go so far as to say that we really can't experience true pleasure unless we have a true sense of safety. Think about sex, right? Like we need to feel safe in that encounter in order to surrender and truly feel pleasure, right? So think about that. There's really no true pleasure without real safety first as a, as a baseline. Okay. So that's an example of a rigid boundary. And then a flexible boundary is eventually where we want to get. Um, but remember that flexible is not based on anybody else's decision, except you, that you could be like, normally this is my boundary, but I'm going to make an exception again, with the goal of increasing safety and pleasure in my life. It serves me to make an exception, not just serves you for me to make an exception, right? So that's the difference there. Um, but flexible is trusting yourself to change your mind um, depending upon um, what's going on, right? And that you're, uh, you haven't created your own plan as an outside authority. You're not serving your plan. Your plan is always serving you. So that's the goal with um, eventually getting to a place of flexible boundaries. So Maybe with the money example, this could look like, okay, now I do feel safe enough to listen to this person when they're having a hard time. Um, but definitely, you know, if they're telling me about a situation, I'm never going to, you know, say in the moment, like, hey, I want to help you or um, let me talk to my spouse about this or anything. I'm not going to disclose any of that. I'm just going to listen to you. And then I will take it back to my own inner wisdom and talk with whoever is necessary. Like, hey, I really felt like, a generous impulse on the inside. It wasn't guilt. It wasn't fear. It wasn't any of those things. It was like truly love and generosity and talk it over, um, think it over. And then you decide that you actually want to give the money, maybe not loan it, um, but you truly want to give it. Maybe you want to pay the dental bill directly, right? So that you know that the money actually goes where it's supposed to be going if there's issues with trusting this person's word and things like that. So that would be an example of having a flexible boundary in that area. And again, remember, it's chosen by you because um, in that case, it would make you feel more in alignment with the type of person that you truly want to be to actually make that decision to give the money, right? Does that make sense? So I hope you're talking with me here and we can definitely apply this to food, right? So in the beginning, as you're setting up your food boundaries, if you've experienced a lot of distrust in yourself, then it would make a lot of sense for you to have very rigid boundaries in the beginning. And over time, you're going to become a little bit more flexible 
and that's totally okay. Um, in the beginning, as you set up your food boundaries, you might have people be like, look, look at you sideways and be like, seriously, that seems a little extreme. <laughs> Things like that, right? That's okay because you do you. You know, this is you're the only person that this affects, right? You are the only person that is truly affected by the food that you put into your mouth on a regular basis, right? You know, other people can have an opinion about it, but they don't have to live with the weight that is on your body. They don't have to live with um, the discomfort that comes afterwards physically, um, digestively, emotionally, all of that. They, they don't have to live with the pain in the, brain, in the brain that you're experiencing as a result of these things, right? So you have to really put yourself first when it comes to this. And there's no such thing as one-way liberation. Whatever is good for you will be good for them. Any kind of like belief that you have about that you're hurting other people with making different food choices, that's not, it's absolutely not true, right? And we have to examine that. Um, you're actually setting a great example for them of being your own inner compass and practicing self-care. And you will become a better version of yourself, happier, have more energy, um, all of the things that you truly want to be able to show up as the best version of yourself for the people that you love, that is only possible when you do this. And results don't lie. Eventually, they will come to you and they'll be like, wow, like, I really do see such a difference in you. And what are you doing? And, you know, help, ask for help or whatever it might be. Maybe they don't. But still, it's so worth it. It's for you. It's not for them. But it will benefit them. They just don't, they just don't know it. Um, so, and, and most people, meanwhile, they're not trying to truly, they're not really a hater, right? It's just uncomfortable for people when you change the status quo. So we can hold space and allow for them to be uncomfortable. They're an adult, maybe, you know, usually it's an adult in your life that's giving you shit about something. It's not usually <laughs> a kid, um, but yeah, they can handle the discomfort so that your life can be amplified a million times over. Why are we always more focused on our past failures than our past successes? We don't give ourselves nearly enough credit for all the things that we've accomplished in our peak moments or for all the things we've made it through in our lowest moments. Confidence means trust, so self-confidence really comes from self-trust. What if you stopped beating yourself up for not feeling motivated? What if it actually wasn't a problem? What if you felt inspired instead? Motivation is pushing yourself to do something, but inspiration is being pulled toward doing something. When we have some fun and get clarity on the future we desire, we can actually feel pulled toward it like a magnet. We move in the direction of our focus. In this month's mindset class, you'll reframe your past and get crystal clear on your inspiring future. The class is called Confident and Inspired, and in this class, you'll celebrate your past accomplishments and give yourself credit for the things in your life other than just weight and body image. You'll get in touch with your persistence and let her show you how much she's brought you through and how strong and resilient you truly are. You'll feel confidence now, rooted in self-trust, long before you reach your goal weight and as you pursue your goal weight. You'll have fun dreaming and getting super specific on the future that you want to create for yourself. You'll create a blueprint for your life so that you're ready to start construction. You'll ditch the short-term motivation for an infinite supply of life-giving inspiration. When you sign up, I'll email you access to the recorded class and you can watch it whenever is good for you and you'll have access to it forever. It's just $22. 
To get class access today, head over to bit.ly slash self-care keto class or grab the link in the show notes today. Okay, now we're going to actually get into how to set up food boundaries. And this is so funny because sometimes like I I just don't realize, like I kind of take for granted like what I know on the inside, right? And so I was helping a client one time and talking about the difference between food restrictions and food boundaries. And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I get all of that. Like I want to have food boundaries, but like how do I know what my food boundaries should be? And like, how do I actually create them? How do I implement them? I'm like, ah, yes. What a great question. Okay. So, um, I like to use a metaphor sometimes. Um, and the one that really resonates with me is thinking of your food boundaries as a dartboard. Okay. And so think about a dartboard. There are three circles on the dartboard. You have your bullseye, which is the smallest circle in the center. And of course, when you're, you know, throwing a dart at the dartboard, that is what you are aiming for optimally, right? Um, but as long as you land on the dartboard, you still get some points, okay? So it's still good um, to land on the dartboard. So the circle right outside of the bullseye, okay, obviously that's the second most ideal. And then the third concentric circle is the largest one on the dartboard and you're still on the dartboard, right? You still you still scored, you still hit the mark, right? Um, and then of course you certainly can throw the dart and miss the dartboard, right? So we're not trying to do that. So food boundaries are setting up the foods that are going to go on your dartboard in which circle, right? So the bullseye would be um, what you optimally want to eat on a regular basis. So your usual way of eating, specifically if you are trying to lose weight, like you're, this is where you're really dialed in. This is your um, ideal food plan for yourself. Okay, and then the circle right outside of that would be what I would say is your sometimes circle, right? So we have to look at situations, right? Um, maybe the situation calls for, for some reason, that you want to be a little bit more expansive than just the foods that are like right in the center of the dartboard, okay? And then there's also the rare occasions where, um, you know, even beyond that, once in a while, I still want to have such and such type of food for a good reason, right? Again, not reacting, um, not giving into other people's opinions or people pleasing, right? No, like you truly want that for yourself, every once in a while, okay? So all the foods on the dartboard are foods that you choose for yourself. I would never dictate those to you. I would never say, well, keto says this, so make sure that all the keto foods are in the bullseye and you know, yada, yada. like, no, you decide what these are. It's like you creating your food plan. It's like me not following the keto plan, it's me following the Jess plan, right? And insert your name here, right? So it's gonna be completely up to you. Um, and this really helps to break out of that all or nothing mindset, okay? Because imagine feeling like instead of thinking, oh, well, I just ate this food and that's off my plan. And so now it's just, I failed, right? All hell has broken loose. And, and I might as well, you know, go nuts. I'm completely off the rails. I've missed the, I've missed the dartboard because it's only one circle and it's so small and, you know, um, doesn't take into account any situations or expanding the version of success. It's just so black and white, all or nothing. And oh, I missed it. Okay. Because it's very small and narrow to hit and I missed it. And so now uh, I might as well just go nuts. Right. Um, and feel like a total failure. Imagine if you had a little bit more of a soft landing 
a larger umbrella over your head to <laughs> protect you from the rain, right? Like um, an expanded version of success that like where you still feel like, okay, I'm in the sometime circle. Like, and that's actually completely okay because this fits what I have planned out in advance as matching the sometime circle, right? So you're gonna decide what foods go in which circle and you're also gonna decide what situations merit what right? So again, the bullseye is pretty obvious, like this is your optimal usual way of eating. But what constitutes a reason to eat in the sometimes circle? Like you decide that. I won't decide that. For you, it might be weekends I eat in the sometimes circle. Um, it might be when I'm around, um, you know, such and such a person. Maybe like when I'm around my girlfriends and we go out for um, Taco Tuesdays, this is what I eat on that particular night because I truly want to, not because I'm afraid of, you know, upsetting the, the rhythm or whatever it might be. Um, so you decide what constitutes the sometime circle. Maybe it's family visits. Um, maybe, you know, it's, I actually had a really bad day and I do want to self-soothe with foods that are still healthy for me. They're not um, going to make me feel like shit, um, but I don't eat them every single day, especially when I'm in weight loss mode, but that constitutes a sometimes for me. And then the rarely circle, like, okay, um, vacations, um, special occasions, birthdays, holidays, you know, are you going to eat a slice of wedding cake at the actual wedding or are you not? Like my answer might be different than yours and that is completely okay. Um, so rarely, rarely circle, again, you decide what's going to go in there and my rarely uh, occasions might be different than your rarely occasions. It's it's completely personalized. So please don't try to compare yourself to others. Don't worry like, oh, is this right? Is this actually the right way to do it? You're missing the point if you're thinking, is this right? Okay. Or you want somebody else to tell you if it's right, because this is coming from you, your inner wisdom, your own boundaries. Well, I guess this is just my summer body now. I see you, friend, trying on the swimsuit, the tank tops, the shorts, and wishing you had made more progress since January. Now you're feeling like you might as well abandon hope until the fall because of summer barbecues, vacations, and travel, and the stress of the kids being out of school. The summer holidays can feel like food temptations and sugar everywhere, like food pushers at parties trying to get you to eat what they made, like people you have to see who talk about topics you don't want to talk about like foods that are only available this time of year and you struggle with fear of missing out. And like being halfway through the year and judging yourself for not being further along in your goals. You do not have to wait until after the summer to prioritize your health. You don't have to resign yourself to stress, exhaustion, deprivation, discomfort, and shame over the summer holidays. The Self-Care Keto Holiday Guide will help you navigate the food opportunities of the summer holidays from a mindset of self-care with a 50-page, easy-to-use, downloadable and printable guide, 26 easy keto holiday recipes, and a holiday planner exercise that you can reuse holiday after holiday, year after year. You will design a plan that is focused on what you will actually enjoy because it's your summer too. You'll uncover the people-pleasing mindsets that cause you to self-sabotage on holidays. You'll have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you. You'll have exciting new recipes that everyone will love. You'll know how to handle food pushers and awkward food conversations. You'll develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating. You'll know how to succeed anywhere, at home, at someone else's house, even at a restaurant or traveling. You'll feel in control and have zero regrets. And you'll be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a holiday. 
you can instantly download your copy at theketofit.com slash holiday. Okay, so we've got our bullseye in the center. We've got our sometimes circle right outside of that. We've got our rarely circle right outside of that. And then of course there are foods that are just not on the dartboard. These are foods that are outside of your food boundaries. Why? Because they actually uh, do not give you pleasure. Like, especially if you think about it in the long run, um, the opposite, you feel harmed by them um, and you feel unsafe. So meaning like it literally like affects your physical body and you no longer feel good or safe. Um, it's um, bad for your health. Um, maybe your doctor has told you these foods are not safe for you to eat and you actually agree. It's not that you're just complying with fear, but you're like, yeah, that checks. Like, I, I agree. Thank you for just somebody validating that, right? Um, and then also foods that maybe make you feel unsafe because they're very hard to moderate. They light your brain on fire. They send you into like compulsion mode. Like you feel like full on like blown out addict, like I'm going into a binge, like this, this whole type of thing where you feel like you've lost your own sense of self-control. So these are examples of foods that you're not available for. Um, and, and again, it's totally up to you. I'm just speaking of what makes sense to me. So like foods that um, are not on my dartboard are foods that drain me, foods that upset my stomach, right? Um, I'm just not available for that. I'm not interested in that. Foods that light my brain on fire and make it difficult for me to moderate, right? And so these are my personal categories. I recommend when you are making, um, when you're thinking about foods that are not on your dartboard, don't make a long ass list of all the foods that you're not gonna eat, right? Because where focus goes, energy flows, right? And so if you are making your food dartboard and then you decide I'm gonna list out all the foods that I'm not eating, no chips, no cookies, no cake, no this, no that. Oh my gosh, haven't you done that a million times? Like I have totally done that, like written all that out, my little rules for myself, right? Like then think about it where where focus goes energy flows what what is the longest list the longest list is the list of foods that you're not going to eat and so you're going to be thinking about that like it's going to feel restrictive instead of expansive so don't even make a list of all of the specific foods like the actual you know content of the foods that you're not going to eat instead just write out um foods that this foods that make me feel like shit foods that um you know give me digestive discomfort foods that drain my energy it, if that makes sense. So because you really want to remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing, right? And focus on the abundance of all the specific foods that you do want to give to yourself on a regular basis, foods that bless your body, okay? And the last thing that I want to say is that this will change over time, okay? So this is today. Your boundaries are allowed to be updated as often and as regularly as you see fit. And you should update them as you change and as you grow and as you experiment and as you learn. So right now, again, it's okay for the style of your food boundary to be a little bit more rigid instead of more flexible. And it's also okay to have fewer foods on the list than you will later. It's okay to have more foods on the list than you will later. So I'll just share a little bit of my um, specifics. But, um, and also taking into account that like, this is what works for me and not what works for other people. So when I started keto, um, you know, I just became unavailable for basically anything <laughs> that, you know, and I was approaching it kind of with that, like compliance mindset. Like, I want to get this right. I want to do this for myself, but I, I, I need somebody to tell me what to do. Give me the structure. Like I'm really good at following the rules. Um, I didn't feel punished. I didn't feel restricted. Um, I did feel some fear. Like if I don't get this right, then I will, um, lose control. Right. So over time I've learned to grow in my own self-trust and that's okay. 
Um, so that's why my boundaries have adjusted over time. But, you know, I work with clients who um, maybe they want to have a deviation day on a regular basis. And that just wasn't something that worked for me because I'm more of an abstainer and they're more of a moderator, right? So my personality is different. I'd rather approach it differently and that's totally okay. So maybe French fries and chips are on this client's sometimes circle. Maybe it's on another client's rarely circle. Maybe Doritos are in the rarely circle for somebody. Um, maybe cake at the wedding is in the rarely circle for somebody. For me, that was not the case, right? And so don't feel like you have to do what other people are doing. This is completely personalized to you. And again, it can and it should and will change over time. Full permission to update it as necessary. Meaning um, foods that once were on my dartboard are no longer on my dartboard. As I learned, oh, good guess. You know, I, I actually don't feel good after eating that. And as my own internal standard for myself rose, the more I took care of myself, the more I wanted to take good care of myself. So like eating keto products, right? That used to be like in the center of my dartboard or at least in the sometimes circle. And in the beginning, that made a lot of sense for me because it afforded me a lot more safety to know that I could have the keto or Atkins M&Ms um, and I wouldn't eat the regular M&Ms, right? So it was serving me. It was giving me pleasure and it was giving me safety to be able to rely on what I would call those keto crutches that you kind of need that crutch um, to actually help you walk this out for a while. And now that's not on my list anymore because I've learned, oh, all these keto sweeteners, oh, I see what's happening. This actually causes bloat. This causes digestive discomfort. Um, and it moved from the bullseye out to the sometimes, out to the rarely. And now it's not even on my dartboard at all anymore. Okay. That's just me. That's an example of how things change over time where foods that are on your dartboard right now, you have full permission as you grow and adapt to take them off. Right. And it's okay that they're there right now because it's helping you. Okay. Um, and no judgment. That's if, if you need that right now. Um, another example of foods that once were not on my dartboard and now I have reintroduced them as I've healed my body from insulin resistance my, my body can tolerate these foods better now and I'm not afraid of them anymore. And I, and I reintroduced them in a really safe way by using um, a glucose monitor. So I actually tested my blood sugar response to these things um, and I reintroduced foods like fruit. I was like so afraid to eat any fruit, you know, in the beginning, especially anything other than berries, right? Because berries are the lowest sugar fruit. Um, and I would only eat berries in the, rare, the um, sometimes category. Um, or rarely category. Uh, and then eventually I bought, brought berries into the bullseye, right? And I was eating them on a more regular basis, but like any fruit other than berries was like not on the dartboard, right? And over time I've reintroduced those things. So, you know, higher glycemic fruits are now like in my bullseye. I will eat like melon or apple, like on a daily basis and it's totally fine and it's safe and it increases the pleasure in my life, right? So I brought them back onto the dartboard rarely. Then sometimes now they're in my bullseye. I eat these foods every day. Um, so higher um, starchier vegetables, carrots, peas, things like that, they were not on my dartboard when I first started out because, again, I was like, I need to follow um, this plan. I need to get it right. It's it's not in the structure. Like, And I felt safe, and I didn't feel restricted. I, I didn't even miss the carrots or the peas, right? Um, but over time, I've reintroduced them. 
and they're pleasureful and they're safe. And I do it in a blood sugar balanced way. Red lentil pasta. This is a thing that I just recently learned about maybe within the last year and a half, right? And so it's actually sold in the pasta aisle. It's made by Barilla or Berea or however you want to say it. And it's like a box of actual pasta. It's made out of 100% red lentil flour. It's low glycemic. Um, I have like three quarters of a cup of that. And it tastes like legit pasta, right? Like when we all we we do the zucchini noodles um we do the um you know hearts of palm noodles palmini noodles those are really really good so all the substitutes i'm a big fan of shirataki noodles great it's not real pasta though this is real pasta and because it's made from red lentil flour and there's no gluten in it um and i've tested my blood sugar and i learned okay if i have more than a cup of this it spikes my blood sugar and now i feel a lot of cravings so that's not safe for me um but this portion so remember sometimes it's the dose that makes the poison right and so it's, it now falls within my probably rarely category. Um, I might have that like once a month. Um, and I have it in a very specific portion paired with very specific foods, paired with protein, paired with fat, and it's safe for me and it feels good. So that's an example of foods that once were not on my dartboard and I've reintroduced them again, always with the goal of safety and pleasure in my life. You don't have to eat every meal at home and stick rigidly to a boring meal plan to be successful. You don't have to sacrifice pleasure and fun to get results. In fact, you'll probably self-sabotage if you do it that way. In the Self-Care Keto Restaurant Guide, I take you through a plan to navigate the food opportunities of eating out at restaurants from a mindset of self-care. It's a 38-page, easy-to-use, downloadable, and printable guide. And yes, I tell you exactly what to order at 41 different restaurants, fast food chains, and genres of cuisine, including American, Indian, Italian, Mexican, Chinese, Thai, sushi, etc. But here's what else you'll get from this guide. You'll feel confident and relaxed about going out to eat, whether you choose to eat keto or to have a planned deviation from it. You'll learn about and celebrate your personality type and how that impacts your food choices. Are you an abstainer or a moderator and what do you do about it? You'll learn how to have a planned deviation or a carb up when going out to eat without any guilt or drama. You'll learn how to incorporate carb cycling into your social plans and going out to eat. You'll have strategies for food and alcohol that actually work for you. You'll develop self-awareness and self-compassion for emotional eating on special occasions or even just on the weekends. You'll know how to succeed at any kind of restaurant from fast food to fine dining. You'll feel in control and have zero regrets, and you'll be ready to get right back on track with a healthy mindset after a deviation. Head on over to theketofit.com slash restaurant to grab your copy today. All right, as we wrap up, I hope that you have found this helpful. I'm going to give you homework to go create your own food boundaries. Go create your own dartboard. I've had clients use Canva and make it all pretty, right? I've had other clients like do this with um, like Microsoft Word and they just create the little shapes thing. Other clients just draw it in a notebook. So like whatever it is that is going to work for you, right? Go create your own food boundaries dartboard. And, you know, give yourself a pat on the back that you're like pushing yourself beyond that black or white all or nothing thinking that you are giving yourself a wider berth to be successful, right? You're expanding your definition of success, not letting good be the enemy of great, right? It's sometimes it's good to just have a good day and you don't have a great day or a perfect day every single day. 
and that's totally okay. Um, you are still going to lose weight by eating in your sometimes circle and your rarely circle because you know what actually is preventing you from losing weight? It is having such a limited version of success, such a narrow definition. We only have the bullseye. And because we um, encountered a situation where we didn't know what to do or it became difficult or, you know, shit hit the fan or whatever, and we didn't have a sometime circle and we didn't have a rarely circle, we didn't think about vacation, we didn't think about this, or we were just dreading it and just decided to, you know, take time off or not even think about it because it's too hard and we haven't pre-planned it or whatever. We haven't given ourselves um, what we needed. So we wound up taking what we needed, right? Um, and then we spiral out from that for like two days, two weeks, two months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you know what I'm talking about. That's what co is causing you not to lose the weight, right? It is not the once in a while um, deviation that is causing the inefficiency in your weight loss. Um, it is you beating yourself up about it. It's the story that you're telling yourself about it, right? And so this can really help to prevent some of that. When you do what you said you were going to do, you succeeded. So allow yourself to succeed in a different way in different situations, okay? Um, that black or white thinking, all or nothing thinking, um, you know, it's really fear oriented and it's, it's, you can mature out of that. You grow out of that, right? And so like, think about like when we're kids, we're taught like lying is wrong, okay? Maybe you were taught that. I, I don't know. I, th I think most kids are probably taught that. <laughs> lying is wrong. Lying is bad. Do not lie. Under any circumstances, it is wrong to lie, right? And so, but then as you grow up, you're like, you go to high school and you sit in um, an uh, ethics class or a philosophy class. Like I encountered this when I got to college, sitting in a philosophy class, they start throwing around the word um, situational ethics. Now we're having a, a big debate about situational ethics. What does that mean? It means depending upon the situation, the idea of the right thing to do might actually change. Okay. So lying is wrong. Would you lie to save someone's life? Yeah, I think I would because you, you match it up with your values. So is your highest value human life or is your highest value honesty, right? And it's okay. You know, like maybe, maybe uh, um, it's different for different people. And I'm not trying to criticize somebody who would be like, no, I will always tell the truth. Even if somebody dies over it, I would always tell the truth because maybe honesty is your literal highest value in life. That's okay. Your values are your values. You get to have your values. My values don't have to match your values, right? And that's really... Um, the reason why we fight in our marriages <laughs> and in our families and in anything, right? It's because everybody has different values and all values are beautiful and they're ranked differently, right? And so this is just an example of that it takes nuance. It's okay to have gray areas. It's okay to have um, for the right thing to do or the thing that you want to do to change based on the situation that you are in. That takes wisdom and it takes maturity to be able to allow space for that, right? And so this is what you're doing. You are actually creating space for that. Like what's right for me will look different depending upon the situation, right? Um, when I'm at home and it's during the work week, it's very, very easy and it feels good for me to eat in this way. On the weekends, I want to expand the definition of success. I want to be able to go out to eat and not be super stressed out. Um, I want to, when I'm on vacation, I want to include these foods that I don't normally eat all the time, right? That is totally okay. That's up to you. And it's beautiful and it's good and it's mature and it's wise of you. And it is self-care of you. So very caring towards yourself to allow for that. You're going to feel so good that you can take that resource with you. 
um, when you have a birthday coming up, when you have an anniversary coming up, when you have a vacation or a trip coming up that you could be like, okay, great. This fits my sometime circle. Here we go. You know, let me go buy some things to prepare for this trip. Let me look up some restaurants and it's totally okay. I don't have to freak out that these things are not in my bullseye because this merits my sometime circle. I've already thought about that. I'm going to succeed. Yeah. All right. I hope that this has blessed you, babe. Make sure that you actually go create your food dartboard. Um, let me know what it is. I would love to see it. I would love to celebrate with you. Have a great week.